0: guys of a certain age is brought to you by
1: no one absolutely no one except these dudes walking down memory lane now let's head to the studio to see what they misremember next it's hot up in here and it's time for guys of a certain age robbie in studio alongside jay reed and no art surely. we're artless you know maybe he's he's in a cool dark place kind of like a crypt or no he's not he's not he's not a vampire i think but. he just went to a fancy lunch without us is what I, he did. I think he did i think he did and thanks for inviting us for that art we'll remember that some well no we won't it doesn't matter the minute we cut this off we'll never remember that he ditched us for a lunch well you know he said it was a retirement lunch is he retiring from this podcast Ooh, I don't know. Maybe an early retirement. Let's for, hope not for Art Shirley. Because I don't think I could cover the sound effects quite as well as he I, does. nobody can cover the sound effects quite as well as Art Shirley. So all right, let's jump into Geeks. Whoa. Boy, that was weird. Did you hear that? I, I well was, I, I didn't wanna, hear that. Ooh, ooh, there we go again. Ooh. Ooh, that's interesting. Let me try something here. Live radio. We'll see if we can do this without me disappearing again. Or it just maybe the J. Reed show. Let's jump into Geeks of the Week. What do you have, Mr. Reed?
2: I have a new podcast that came across my feed or somewhere. You know how the internet finds you sometimes when you're not expecting it. But there's a new podcast on Spotify. And again, not new. I think it's been out a little while, but it just came to my radar. It's called Batman Unburied. Was
1: was Batman buried?
2: I don't know yet. I'm only about halfway through it. Okay. But it is fascinating. It's got, um, as far as actors are concerned, um, Lance Reddick plays Thomas Wayne Ooh. of Wick fame, I believe. I looked him up. Well, Lance Reddick of was, a lot of things, but was
1: in was in
2: Fringe. Okay,
1: yeah, yeah. If it's yeah, it's Lance Reddick. Yeah. Anyway, right. sorry. so
2: then uh, Jason Isaacs plays Alfred. Jason, I believe he's the guy that played Malfoy's dad on Harry Potter and many other things.
1: He also plays Lorca on Star Trek
2: Discovery. Okay, there you go. And Winston Duke, and I don't know he he plays Bruce Wayne, but he's he was in Black Panther, and I don't know the. Character was one of the kings, I think, that was kind of fighting for control. Yeah. Mabaku or Bamaku or something like that. Yeah, so here. here's
1: Mabaku and, and Black Panther. Right. And, then and J- Avengers. John in- Reese davies Oh, sure.
2: From uh, uh, Indiana Jones and, and other things. When, um, we named
1: the dog. Now that's Sean Connery. I can't do it, John Reese. <laughs> davies <laughs> That's right. Anyway, okay.
2: Uh, you know, this is a name I'm not going to say well. Emmy Raver Lampman, who was in um, Umbrella Academy. She okay. was the one that had the the whisper. Um, she would say, "I have a I heard a rumor," and then she could control people. Whatever. Uh, Ashley Birch. I'd only I know her from Mythic Quest. She was on Mythic Quest. So, so lots, anyway, some lots some, of geek credibility, lots of geek credibility, and uh, like I said I'm about halfway through. There's a really interesting sort of psychological twist that I'm just like I was listening to episode five on the way over here, and it was just about to kind of tell me. What's going on here? So I won't spoil it. But and then you had to come see me. That had to come see you. Uh, um, sorry, but it it is an uh, it is an adult uh, podcast. It is it's got some language in it and it's kind of rough themes. But so it's not quite it's not the boys, but there is some language. So so it's on Spotify. correct? It's on Spotify.
1: So you have to have a Spotify subscription.
2: Well, I I have a Spotify. I'm not a paid
1: subscriber. So you're a, you've got a free account. Yes. Okay. And,
2: I, and I'm able to listen to it.
1: But we've often, we've often noted, I go again, huh? Can you stir? I'm, I'm, I'm here. You're there. I'm not. But hmm. you weren't for a second there. You I wasn't there for out. a second. Well, I'll have to do some tech, uh, troubleshooting. The universe really wants art here. Yeah, they, it really does. So, so one of the universes. Anyway. <laughs> w- one of the universes, but you're special, Jay. So you may have special treatment. So well, gosh, yeah. Shucks. Wow <laughs> all right so uh, I'll jump into my geek and uh, HBO is going back to the well yet again for Game of Thrones spin-offs now they've got the uh, the age of the dragon I think the, the the precursor to Game of Thrones takes place 200 years before is that started yet not quite okay. it's it's uh, I think it's supposed to start this fall Matt Smith's in it a bunch of other folks so it takes place 200 300 years to prior to Game of Thrones but um HBO misses Kit Harington, I guess. And Mm. so they've announced that there is a Jon Snow series in development. I saw that. So Jon Snow, who uh, became the the hero at the end of Game of Thrones season eight, the much maligned season finale, series finale, sees Jon Snow heading off to the ice. And he knows nothing anymore because Jon Snow knows nothing and uh, so apparently HBO is going to pick up where they left off. Hmm. This is very uncharted territory because George R.R. R. Martin hasn't finished the last Game of Thrones book, A Song of, of Ice and Fire, um, much less plotted anything beyond the end of the book he hasn't written yet. So <laughs> it's going to be very interesting to see what they do. But uh, Kit Harrington's a great actor. Um, he's going to be forever identified as Jon Snow. Um, I'm going to be real interested to see what they do and if they're trying to make up for the bad taste in all the fans <laughs> mouths at the end of Game of Thrones. Maybe it will be like a Dallas situation where uh, Kit Harrington wakes up in a shower. You know, remember when when Oh yeah. when uh, Bobby when Bobby woke up and it erased an entire season of Dallas. Who knows, but yeah. This should call that this should have a name like the Dallas Phenomenon or something. The Bobby Ewing Phenomenon. The Bobby Ewing Phenomenon should be the Bobby Ewing Effect. There you go. The Bobby Ewing Effect. I invoke the Bobby Ewing Effect. So, But we shall see. Anyway, it'll be interesting to see what happens. So, uh, But you have a supplemental geek since art's not here. It's, it's timely and somewhat sad. It's which- timely and sad, which is, you know... No offense, art, but a lot of times you bring in the obits. So,
2: since this was an obituary that happened this week, we thought we'd do a geek in your name, and that is Tim Sale, um, and, and primarily known as an inker for uh, Batman comics and some others. Um, I guess Batman
1: The Long Halloween was one of his uh, most well known, or what yeah. do you think? Batman Legends of the Dark Knight Halloween special. So, yeah, Batman the Long Halloween, Dark Victory. Um, he inked Superman for all seasons, um, and he was at Marvel as well. So, he um, he did Daredevil Yellow, Spider-Man Blue, Hulk Gray, Hulk Smash. No, Hulk Gray, Captain America White. So the
2: color series, I haven't yeah, seen it. Yeah,
1: I haven't seen it either, but I've heard some stuff through the years. But, anyway, he was primarily linked with Jeff Loeb. Um, who, right, even in
2: uh, in the TV show Heroes, apparently Jeff Lubb was involved in that, so he brought in Tim Sale and he did yeah. some of the artwork that was, I guess, used in part of the. I haven't ever finished Heroes, so I can't. I don't recognize the character, but he,
1: you uh, know, he season one of Heroes may have been the one of the best season ones of any TV show, and they could never live up to the promise. Well, season two was okay, then the writer strikes hap, strike happened, and they lost all momentum, but. Anyway. Yeah. So he was, so he was involved in that and
2: um apparently on Smallville. I don't Art, this is Art sent me some notes. Um I don't know what he did on Smallville, but apparently he was involved in Smallville as well. Did was you that a comic or the
1: was that, that the, was just the show, that right? That was the TV show. Yeah. Uh did you watch any Smallville? Uh little bits and pieces here and there. Yeah. So a oh, lot of fun. A lot of fun. Low budget, a lot of fun, you yeah. know. I, I think when I retire I'll have to Binge that, but. <laughs> Too much else going on now. And what a great theme song! I think it's Remy Zero. Save me! I didn't like any of the rest of Remy Zero stuff from the album that Save Me came from, but I love that tune, and it fit uh, it fits Smallville perfectly. So hmm. um, yeah, I think I've got the whole series on DVD. I mean okay. That you know you could borrow. Don't have it on VHS. Sorry. I mean I could convert it to VHS. My but... VHS player is on the blink. Yeah. Most VHS players are on the Blink. so I think I have a backup. I'll see. Yeah, of course you do. It's in storage at your mom's house. I'm sure. <laughs> well,
2: she's trying to get, trying to undo that, but uh... she's trying to unstore you, unstore me and
1: after uh, like 20 years of storing my stuff at her place. Oh, come on, Mom, Mrs. Reed, it's free stuff. Come, what are, what are you thinking? I mean, I can see her charging Art and I, but you know, just destroying your things. Uh, well, well, we'll see what happens. I'm trying to develop a minimalist attitude, but it is unsuccessful so Let me far. Let me know how that goes. Yeah. So, Alright, we've got a special treat on the other half. I kick everybody out and I, well, one person out because it's only Jay in here. And I talked to uh, Andy Wolverton who I've known for a long, long time who uh, just published a book that is um, that debuted yesterday on Amazon. So, And it's kind of related to guys of a certain age, it is, is it not? It is. Guys don't read the story of the men's book club. So, I'm sorry you couldn't be with us with the interview Jay but fabulous interview it's up next I kicked him out of the room I've got the mic to myself I'm going to do it the way I want to do it well Jay would say I would probably do it the way I want to do it anyway um, on the second half of the show uh, it's myself and Andy Wolverton who is coming to us from parts unknown somewhere between Baltimore and DC Andy how are you doing today I'm doing well,
0: Robbie. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me on today.
1: Oh, well, wait, you can thank me at the end. We'll see how this goes. So uh, (laughs) thanks for coming in. And so just kind of a little background for listeners, um, Andy was a band director at Meridian High when I was at, well, in the Marine Public School system. He was actually at one of the junior highs when I was in high school, but the way Marine Public Schools did their band program, the uh, the junior high directors helped. So even though with, with the, the high school marching band, so even though I never had Andy for a Um, For a class, we were around each other for a few years and uh, we're Facebook friends and have kind of tracked what Andy's done in his post band director career. So um, Andy, we talked a little bit about this off mic. Walk me through your journey. You started as a band director and now you're a librarian.
0: Yeah, this has been a uh, long, strange journey, as they say. I was teaching uh, after I left Meridian. I taught in Mississippi for a few more years uh, went to graduate school at Southern Mississippi, met a girl, fell in love, got married, and she was working on a degree too. and we moved to Texas where we were for a few years. And I had a really good situation at a junior high band there, Shackleford Junior High in Arlington, Texas. And my wife is a uh, clarinet player, and she wanted to join one of the military bands as a clarinet player and That process normally takes a few years and takes several auditions. So I told her, you know, if you win an audition, I'm fine with moving to the Washington, D.C. area. That's great. Um, Thinking that that was going to be a several-year process and I could stay at my school for several more years. Well, she won an audition on her very first try. So um, we moved to um, the D.C. area in the end of 2000 and I've been here ever since. Uh, it was the middle of a school year, so there weren't any teaching jobs open, so I just found work in other places, mainly bookstores, and I thought, you know, maybe I could transition to become a librarian. That That's always seemed like a cool job, so that's what I did, and I've been a librarian now longer than I was a band director, uh, 14 years, and um, I'm still at a public library, and it's still a
1: lot of fun. That's cool, that's cool. So did your music ed degrees all count as uh, educational experience towards becoming a librarian?
0: There was some overlap, and I mean, I did get, I didn't have to get a degree in library science, but I did just because I was interested in it, but there wasn't, the experience is really what overlapped the most in dealing with the public as a teacher, and now I deal with the public as a librarian, and there's very, there's quite a bit of overlap in those, those two professions.
1: So, what is easier, adults in a library or junior high clarinet players? Oh
0: boy! <laughs> well, junior high clarinet players have weapons in their hands. You could uh, most adults don't. Hopefully, it, it's a different it's a different type of thing. But it's I enjoy both. Uh, I do miss getting kids excited about music and about learning. And we do that on a little bit of a different level with story time, which I do. I do story time at the library. But I do miss watching development happen, especially as a band director, because you have the same kids normally for two, three or four years in a row. And then you watch them develop at high school for for more years. So I do miss that just watching kids musically develop. And uh, that was that was always very exciting.
1: I bet you don't miss early August band camp. I do not. You are absolutely right. <laughs> uh, brutal stuff. Brutal stuff. You know, one thing I remember you and I had a conversation years ago and I, it, it stuck with me because it kind of changed the way I look at comic books and I'm sure you don't remember it, but, um, so this would have been 87, 88, 86, somewhere in there. Um, and we had a little comic book shop in Marini. I think it was called Seymour comics. It was over by college park and, um, I'd gotten into Batman with uh, uh, Dark Knight Returns with Frank Miller, but had started to journey into X-Men, and that was uh, Chris Claremont's run. And I remember you and I talked about X-Men there for a second, and you made a comment about, you know, I have to be in a right place mentally to read X-Men. And that always stuck with me. I'm I'm attributing it to you, uh, because that told me as a 16-, 17-year-old that, hey, there's more than just pop entertainment in these comic book stories. There's social commentary, and sometimes you've got to kind of prepare yourself for it. So I, I doubt you remember that conversation, but you taught me that lesson about comic books 30 years ago.
0: I don't remember it, but I'll be glad to take credit for it. So <laughs> I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that, that stuck with you, and I, I still feel that way about about a lot of comics. I don't read as many comics as I used to, but there are, you know, there are those those titles and there are those um, series that that are like that. They stick with you, and I think you do have to be in the right frame of, of mind to read those. And same thing with films too; um, you have to kind of prepare yourself mentally if you know what you're getting into.
1: Exactly, exactly. So, well, look, I'm gonna let's jump into the the the. Uh, other than it's great to talk to you after, you know, we were Facebook friends. So I, I follow you on Facebook. We haven't talked in forever, but you've got a new book out that's on Amazon that, you know, I got in Monday and I've read half of, and it's, it's a great read. It's called men don't read the unlikely story of the guy's book club. So, uh, that, that hits our target demo perfectly. Cause we're, we're guys of a certain age. Um, Talk to me about your book, but also the the problem that you saw as a librarian with men reading and the solution you found.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'm glad to. So when I was just starting at the library and um, I hadn't done any programs, I was just working the desk and learning how the library world works. And you spend a lot of time at the desk and a lot of people will come up to the desk and say, I want to put the newest um, James Patterson on hold, or I want to put the newest whatever Stephen King and most of these were women that came up to the desk wanting to put folks on hold and like a dope I and this was totally inappropriate I would I would place their holes and I would say what's your husband reading (laughs) and they weren't offended at my question which they probably should have been but they would typically say oh men don't read and I said or I didn't say it. I thought hey, I'm a man. I read. I see guys in the library picking up books all the time, but I kept hearing that over and over, and I knew it wasn't right. I knew that was wrong. So I decided to start a book club for men. And uh, this this book tells the story about how that how that began, and how it had some rough spots. And it's really about it's really not only about men reading, but the importance of reading and the importance of how book clubs can build community. And it's not just, it's really more than a book club, because a lot of these guys have, have developed real friendships through the book club, and none of that is has to do anything to do with me. But it's mainly because there's a platform there for guys to get together, to be honest, and to talk about books, whether they agree, disagree, or whatever. Um, one of the things I always tell people that, that challenge me about this is, Okay, well, where else can guys go to have a meaningful conversation other than a bar or a sporting event? Tell me. And yeah. they typically don't have an answer.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: So that was, that was kind of the impetus of, of having this. I wanted to have a place where guys could get together, uh, talk freely, uh, but you know, also courteously. And it's been tremendous we're in our 11th year, uh, our 11th anniversary will be in October. And I, I didn't expect it to go this long. I really didn't.
1: So walk me through that first meeting. I think you had, uh, in the book, you had what, four or five people who showed.
0: Yeah, we had three people in the first meeting, uh, besides me. And I'll, I'll leave the details to, for people to read in the book. But something happened in that very first meeting. Things were going along really, really well, even though we had a low attendance. And something happened that I thought, this is going to end not only tonight's meeting, but this is going to end the entire Guys Book Club forever. Uh, It's in the book, and um, I'll let people read that. But that was probably the, I learned a lot in that very first meeting. And I learned a lot about what to do and what not to do.
1: And it's a great story. And let me just say, I, I told you this off mic and I text this to you. This is a great read, Andy. You've done a great job. Um, you know, it's very conversational. I picked the book up and I read the first 60 pages immediately. I kind of couldn't put it down and I was hoping to have it completely read by the time we, we, we talked and I'm I'm halfway through it. So you've done a great job as an author. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Is, is this your first book? It is my first book, yes. Okay. Um, well, you, you've done great. It's a great read. We'll talk about it on Amazon later on. Um, but it, it's, a, it's a real touching story from that, that first meeting. Um, tell me how it grew in the first few years.
0: Um, this is covered in the book as well. So, the problem with new programs in, in libraries, and I think this is kind of a universal problem, is you start a program. And it takes people a while to catch on to it. Uh, they they think, oh, there's a new program. I, I think I'll wait a while before I go to it to see if it you know develops any momentum. So uh, along, uh, many times that type of thing happens is you don't have people showing up for the first, second, third, fourth, even fifth meeting. And then people start to realize, hey, this thing's not going anywhere. There must be something to it. Otherwise, they'd shut this guy down and get him out of there. So we just kind of kept on with it. And that's one of the things that I tell new people that come into the library. Don't be discouraged if your first program isn't well attended or your second or your third. But the problem is most library administrators will typically say if your program is not getting numbers by the third or fourth or fifth uh, meeting, uh, it's probably time to end it. So I was I was very concerned about that.
1: So you're you're. At at year 11, um, I'm in the point in the book where you basically handed off the book selection to the members of the group, and you talked about reading the first chapter or two of of the suggestions. How was it for you to kind of hand a little bit of that control over to the group itself? This was your baby. This is something you started.
0: That's a good question. I always wanted it to be a democratic book club, but in the uh, in the beginning, I decided to pick all the books myself, because I wanted to kind of steer the direction that I wanted the book club to go. Uh, Some guys asked me early on, you know, are we going to be reading John Grisham? Are we going to be reading Michael Conley? Are we going to be reading, uh, you know, really, really popular authors, Lee Child. And I said, you know, just show up and we'll see. And I have nothing against those authors. I mean, I read those authors, and I like them a lot. But you know, when you've got a book like, like a Grisham book, and again, nothing wrong with it, or Lee Child or another popular writer, is there really that much to talk about in that book? I mean, it can be a very satisfying book. It can be a fun read. I wanted something that we could talk about and get into a good, serious discussion every time we met. So I tried to create an opportunity for that to happen. The first, uh, the first book I picked was Unbroken by Laura, Laura Hildenbrand, which was a very popular book. And then I tried something completely different with the next book. I did a lot of nonfiction because it's kind of a generalization, but it's, it's mostly true. Most guys like to read nonfiction more than they like fiction. So I did it heavily on the nonfiction side for a while. And after a while, I thought, you know, let's open this up to the guys and let them vote. And they did. And for a while we were reading only the books they read. And then we, we kind of arrived at a good balance where I pick one, they pick one, I pick one, they pick one. And that seems to have worked really, really well. And we've been going with that with that method for about the past mm, six years.
1: Pre COVID. What were your, uh, what were average numbers like? Um,
0: it always hung around about 12 or so. Um, I, I have like today, I have like 50 guys on the email list that goes out uh, every month, but I think the most I've ever had was 24 and 24 is, is great, but it's kind of hard for 24 guys to all talk equally at a meeting. So it generally, it generally goes between 12 and 15. We met two Thursdays ago and we had 13 guys. So that's pretty typical.
1: What are you guys reading now? What's your next, uh, well, what book are you, you in? Cause are, are, are you in currently?
0: We just finished zero fail about the, uh, U S secret service, kind of a, kind of a history of the secret service and some of the challenges that it's had as well as some of the successes that it's had. And that was just, that was a very, very good discussion. That was a book that I picked and so the next one is going to be a book that they pick, and that is going to be Peril uh, about the Trump-Biden uh, presidential race and by uh, Bob Woodward, and I'm blanking on the other author. So that was their pick. And the way it works is that if one of the guys nominates a book and it gets chosen, the guy that nominated it has the first right of refusal. He can lead that discussion if he wants to. And almost always they do.
1: That's cool. So it's not it's not Andy lit, led all the time. If someone has nominated that book, they, they can take point with the discussion.
0: Right. And I like to give you know I want, again, I want it to be more democratic and not only in the way we choose the books. But also, they need to hear somebody besides me from time to time. So it's good for them to, to have that experience. And some of those guys do a fantastic job. I mean, I, I just sit there and think, wow, these guys, I hope they don't, but they could start their own book club somewhere. They're that good.
1: So have you guys left the, um, have you had meetings outside of the library space, maybe a holiday party or something uh, away from the library with the same group?
0: Really, the only times we've met away from the library are times like when there's construction going on at the library or the meeting room is shut down because the AC is out or something like that. So we've met off site very, very few times. Um, we, it's funny that you mentioned a party or a get together because when we had our 10th anniversary back in October, uh, leading up to that, we were planning on having a you know, big event at a, uh, at a local venue and, of course, that fell through because of COVID. So we did have a, a much smaller scale uh, 10th anniversary celebration at the library. But uh, I'm hoping we can have something later now that, you know, things are getting a little bit more back to normal. We can do something offsite that will be a little bit more celebratory.
1: So results as far as patrons, are you, are you seeing more, more guys in the library? I mean, are you seeing an uptick in male readership? I think we're seeing,
0: we always see a good bit of guys in the library, even before I started the club. And anytime somebody that comes in that's new, or I get an email from somebody inquiring about the book club, I will typically say, how did you find out about us? And we've had some really, really good press from the local papers that, um, I think there have been like three or four articles on the guys book club during our 11 years, but, You know, a lot of them will say, well, I I just saw it on the website or I happen to be walking through the library and I saw one of the flyers. So and other guys bring guys with them to the meetings. So it's it's really all kinds of things, which is great.
1: So how important is it for adult men to read? I think
0: it is very important. And I, I think it's I should back up and say it's important for everybody to read. And in the book, uh, and this is probably a part you haven't gotten to yet, but the thing about this country, and I don't mean this to sound sexist at all, but typically boys in school don't read as much as girls do. And I explore some of the reasons why in the book, but there creates this big divide uh, between boys and girls. And we see it in the library all the time. We see boys and girls come into the library as, as very young kids. They're excited about reading. Uh, we've got summer at your library going right now, our our summer reading club. We see girls and boys coming in in droves, and they're all excited. And at some point, the guys stop coming in, uh, usually around age eight or nine. Uh, we don't see them as much. And we see them again when they're usually 15, 16. And they hand us a list, and they say, I've got to read something from this list. What's the shortest book on this list? Sure. And, and you realize at that point we've lost them and we've got to get them back. So that is a really, really tough struggle that we're going through. And I think librarians and teachers have to work together on this because somewhere along the line in so many situations, boys get the message that reading is not for them. And that's
1: the wrong message. So what has been the um, what has been the most popular? Well, now let me back up. What's been your favorite book that you guys have covered in the eleven years of the club?
0: Oh wow, um, I think I think everybody was stunned, and I was stunned too because I had I had watched the movie True Grit, the one from the sixties with John Wayne, yeah. and I watched the one that the Cohen brothers made, and I thought, you know, I really should read the book. And it's a thin book by Charles Portis. And I read it and I was just absolutely stunned that here's a guy that can capture the voice because it's narrated by a woman. He can, he can capture the voice of the woman narrating the book. Not only does he do such a good job of narrating a woman's voice, but a woman reflecting back to when she was 14 years old and the characters that are, I mean that, that, female presence, both the adult, uh, and the 14 year old girl, it's so strong and is so compelling. And you really feel for this girl and you feel for her later as a woman, although she's changed quite a bit. I've never seen another writer, male writer that I think has captured the female voice that well. And I, and the guys were absolutely knocked out by it as well. So that's, that's got to be near the top of, um,
1: of my favorites. So I'll ask you this. We'll, 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 we'll jump mediums. Uh, did you like the Coen brothers version or the John Wayne version of the movie as it relates to the book? Uh,
0: I think they're both good. They both have some good, um, points that they, you know, I haven't seen the John Wayne version in quite a while, but I feel like they're both fairly faithful to the book. So, uh, I would recommend both
1: versions. And I saw that you, um, uh, you you hit the Maltese Falcon by uh, Dashiell Hammett, which I've never read. It's always been on the list of, of books to read. Um, that, I thought that was very, very cool, but did, did having a movie counterpart to it, did that hurt or help the selection of a book that has been made into a movie?
0: That is a wonderful question because that, that comes up all the time. Uh,
1: you know, guys will
0: come into the, to the club. And most of them will have read the book, but every now and then you'll get somebody that comes in and says, you know, I didn't read the book, but I have seen the movie. So I'm going to give you my two cents about that. And and that's okay. That that's fine. And, and there are times when we do compare the book and the movie, but I really try to steer the conversation to the book. I mean, it's, it's kind of inevitable that, that the movie is going to get talked about. Uh, We had the same thing happen with Moneyball we had the same thing happen with Princess Bride. Uh, there have been several instances where, you know, you got a book that was made into a film, and and some of that is inevitable. And I'm fine talking about that, but again, I want to drive most of the focus to the book.
1: Hopefully, you ignored the Ender's Game movie and just talked about Orson Scott Card's masterpiece.
0: <laughs> that is right. We did not talk about the movie. Uh, I don't. You know, I don't had the movie come out by then?
1: I'm not sure. I, I I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. Well, the movie is quite forgettable. So well, Andy, tell me how easy do you think this is uh to to replicate and how important would it be for other libraries to put a, a oriented book club like this in play? Okay. Really that's
0: the reason I put the book together because I had a couple of guys and this this is in the book A couple of guys came to me on separate occasions and they said, look, uh, I'm retiring and I'm moving to another state, but I'd really like to start up something like the Guys Book Club in the library where I'm going. Can you give me some guidelines and can you you give me some recommendations about how, how you did it? And I said, sure, I'll be glad to do that. And the more I did that, I thought, you know, I've probably got enough material here for a book. So I just started keeping notes on what what was going on. And that's really how the book came about. And it's funny because people from our library system and other library systems have talked to me about, you know, how did you get the book club started? And, and this is in the book too. And I said, uh, you know, initially I just talked to everybody that came in the library, every guy that came into the library and they would say, okay, that, uh, so did you do like flyers? Did you do like, uh, posters? Did you do emails? And I said, look, I talked to every guy that came into the library. <laughs> and I said, it's that simple. And and that's not what most of them wanted to hear. But literally every guy that I saw in the library, I would come up to him and say, um, hey, um, we're doing a book club for guys. And the first book we're reading is Unbroken. Have you read it? And if they had, great. If they hadn't, great. Because I could tell them how great it is. And I says we're going to talk about it. We're going to get together. And... Some of them looked absolutely terrified. So, <laughs> I said, look, it's, it's going to be guys. It's going to be safe. And you know, some of them would ask crazy questions like, is there going to be liquor there? You know, and things like that. And no, no, it's a library. We're not going to not going to do. That. But uh, it was funny because talking to people individually, one on one is a lot different. And we all know this than than an email or a poster. Because you've got somebody that's saying, look, I'd really like for you to come join us for this thing. And some of them do, and some of them don't. But, but that personal connection, I think, is what's missing from, from some of these other uh, groups not being able to, to get things off the ground.
1: Real quick, talk about the, the idea of publishing a book. I mean, you, you, you had this data, then, hey, let's write a book. Walk me through that process.
0: Yeah, glad to.
1: I've got a, a friend that's
0: in the club his name's Jim Haas and Jim has written several books uh through different publishers and he's been very successful and he just told me one day he said you know I'm going to self-publish my next book and I said Jim why do you want to do that and he said because I think I can reach a wider audience and I just want to I just want to give it a shot so he did and he has a book written uh about the soldiers uh, from world war one that came from his hometown of college point, New York. Uh, and it's called, um, he's going to kill me. I can't remember the, uh, fallen heroes, or I think it's called our fallen heroes. Anyways, by Jim Haas, H A A S. And when I was thinking about getting this ready, Jim said, you really need to consider self publishing this because there's so many things that they will do for you. Uh, that that you won't be able to do with other self-publishers because, uh, I mean, Book Baby is who I went with. Uh, They get the book on Amazon. They get it on Barnes & Noble. They take care of the eBooks, They give you an ISBN. They make sure it appears in Baker & Taylor and Ingram where libraries can purchase it. Um, They help design the cover. There's so many things that I was so glad that I did that. Um, Another option would have been to have gone with an organization like ALA, the American Library Association, which which would have been great. But most of those books are more expensively priced than the one that I have. And I, I wanted this to be available to, to anybody, not just in the library world. So that's that's kind of my, my path to self-publishing.
1: Fascinating. Uh, you know, self-publishing has changed so much in the last 10 years. Um, I really had not... I had a stigma I guess a prejudice against self-published books cuz you know back when we were kids or in college high school whatever if you self-published you were kind of kind of you had this manifesto that you're walking around trying to get people to read um and I think it was uh wool by uh, Hugh Howey um I bought it he self-published through Amazon and read that whole silo saga I'm like man this is this is pretty good stuff and I think really Scott ended up optioning it for a movie and whatnot. I think it's in development at HBO max, but uh, the whole idea of self-publishing has, has really changed the, 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 the playing field as far as authors are concerned, a lot like digital distribution of music. So, um, you know, like I said, your book looks great, Andy, the design is great. The print quality is great. And even as we record this today's your official release date on Amazon, correct? That's right. well, Congratulations! I'm glad I got you on this day. So how uh, how fun has it been to see uh, as, as we're as we're recording this? I think you've got a five star rating with four or five positive reviews. How fun is that to, to see people comment on this thing that you you work so hard for?
0: It's it's very very gratifying to know that you know it connects with people because I didn't I didn't know I mean again basically I wrote this for the guys that were wanting to start their own book club and, and then thinking about other librarians. But uh, I've gotten so many really fantastic comments from people that I, I don't even know that, that say this book spoke to me and this book is an important uh, part of, of what I believe in. And, you know, I'm going to get other people to read this book. It's been really, really nice. Um, I, I didn't, I really didn't know what to expect.
1: How long did it take you to write?
0: Well, I kind of tinkered on it for a long time, for a couple of years, and then the pandemic hit and I thought, I've got a lot of time to devote to this thing now. So I finished it up and then I wrote a pandemic chapter when the when the pandemic, in fact, the, the last chapter is about how we handled the pandemic as a book club. So that, that took a little bit of time. So um, I, I'm not, not sure how, how many years it took me total from the time I had the idea, maybe four. So, what's your next book? My next book is going to be about movies, and uh, as you know, I'm a I'm a big movie fan. Um, that's really all I want to say about it right now, but it will be about movies.
1: Well, I, we need to get you back in to talk about your uh, your great movie club that you're doing, and talk about maybe your top five classics, um, because we've we've kind of we've hammered that list here before and it, it, it kind of changes, but congratulations on the book, man, that, that is, uh, you're a published author and there's not many people who can say that. So, uh, kudos to you. And it's a, it's a great piece. And I just, I, I encourage folks to go to Amazon, uh, other than Amazon, are there any other places that it can be ordered like on a personal website or what do you have?
0: Sure. So you can get it from the usual places like Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh but if you i mean if you know me and you really want to support me the best way to do that is to go to bookbaby.com and you can search my name and you will find my my page there and if you order it from bookbaby uh the, I get a little bit more percentage of the of the book profit which is nice but if you want to get it from Amazon that's fine too if you want to get the ebook um, any, any way that you get it is, is fine and and very much appreciated. And Robbie, thank you so much for, um, not only for the kind words, but for having me on the program today. Um, I really, really had a great time.
1: Yeah, man. Thanks for so much, so much for uh, joining me on, on kind of short notice, been wanting to get you on forever. So, uh, let me encourage everybody to go to book baby, to, uh, look for, to search for Andy Wolverton, W O L V E R T O N. Did I get that right? Andy?
0: You got it right. And I was also going to mention, too, you can see it on my website, which is AndyWolverton.com. You'll see that on the uh, news page. And then there's also a blog post about uh, the book. So you can you can find all the information you need there. If you if you forget about any of that stuff, just AndyWolverton.com, you'll see a lot of stuff I write about movies as well
1: sounds good and thanks everybody for joining us i hope you enjoyed this conversation with andy uh go buy his book uh and and review it and give him the five star he reserved he reserves man i'm, I'm, I'm doing library speak the five star review he deserves we will see you next time